From LPL Financial, welcome to Market Signals. I'm your host, Ryan Dietrich. Yeah, we, we get a lot of data crammed into just three days. There's no one particular data point uh, that maybe stands out. You know, the, um, the flash PMI surveys uh, will be of interest. And then jobless claims on Wednesday, they're a day early. That will be, I think, really interesting to watch after getting that uptick in claims last week. We'll certainly be watching for signs of further deterioration in U.S. economic momentum. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the latest edition of the LPL Market Signals podcast. Ryan Dietrich here, Jeff Bookbinder on the line. Now, Jeff, you're putting your chest out a little extra today. As we were just talking about, your beloved Northwestern Wildcats had what I'm going to call a huge upset in beating Wisconsin. You might disagree. You might not find that as an upset, but I think most people did. Congratulations. You still still on cloud nine after that awesome win? Yeah, they, they have an inside track at the uh, Big Ten Championship. So very exciting for uh, Wildcat Nation after uh, a couple of lean years. Well, I mean, you guys were in the Big Ten Championship game just, what, two years ago, three years ago, though? I mean, you played Ohio State, and I know you lost, but you made the Big Ten Championship game. So, you know, hey, that's uh, that's impressive. Yeah, that's true. They won a bowl game in uh, 18, but uh, okay. it's been all downhill since then. <laughs> okay, uh, gotcha. I know it's not a long period of time, but uh, last year was was rough. So uh, glad they're they're back and, and playing real well. That's good. Well, I am an Ohio State fan, so Ohio State, oh, we don't even need to get into it. They beat Indiana, but it was, uh, you're up 35-7 to 7 and then just totally forgot to play the last 27 minutes or so. But hopefully we get to see each other in Indianapolis in the Big Ten Championship. And uh, we'll have to make a friendly wager on the podcast if uh, if that hopefully happens. And I'm, I'm, I'll just get it out there because I know people are getting me on Twitter. Oh, the Joe Burrow thing. It's just devastating. It's a Bengal. It is so hard to be a Bengals fan for your entire life because it's just like you have this glimmer of hope with this amazing quarterback all Joe Burrow did in the first half was have more completions than anyone in the NFL this year in one half of football and he's on pace for like 400 yards and and then he ripped his knee in half and it just looks terrible so really hopefully hopefully he bounces back and um I just told my boys I said boys this is this is kind of the the path we chose being Bengals fans it's just devastating time and time again but He's pretty amazing. I did. I almost say put him out there in a wheelchair and let him throw the ball. He's still be better than the backup quarterback. But anyway, that's that's enough about that. Jeff, let's just uh, get into things here. Enough about the sports because I'll just start crying with the Joe Burrow injury. Um, we're going to talk about November. November is off to a historically uh, strong start. A little bit of COVID also. We got some new news on vaccines. Touch on that. The Fed versus the Treasury. We have a rumble in Washington. Uh, we'll get into that. The economy, some positives, but we're starting to see some potential slowdowns, which is not abnormal. We'll get into that, kind of why we think that's happening. And then we'll talk about our weekly market commentary this week, which focuses on market technicals with some concern as market sentiment is getting a little excited. So, Jeff, on our YouTube channel, people are watching it there. We do show slides now. We are showing that this is one of the best months of November in the history of the stock market. For the S&P 500, we're looking at the best month of November since 1980. And for small caps, the Russell 2 is up 16% as of Friday. We record this Monday morning. As of Friday, up 16% for the for the month, which is the best month in the history of the S of the uh, Russell 2000, which if you use Bloomberg data, it goes back to like 1978. Now, there's still some time left and you know we've got thanksgiving and some time left so that could pull back a little bit but i just think it really hammers home how amazing it is jeff why do you think 
Small caps are up 16% for the month because it's hard to say just one reason. What sparked this incredible move, you think? Well, I guess I'd highlight two reasons. You know, one, small caps are reopening stocks, right? Mm -hmm. They really need um, the vaccine and a fully reopened economy. So the market is responding to uh, the optimism around vaccine development. We got more good news today. Uh, and then uh, beyond that, I think uh, small caps have uh, reacted to the prospects of divided government. When you have divided government, it uh, looks like that appears what we're gonna have. Right. Uh, you're probably not going to get these big tax increases that Biden has proposed, uh, and that has um, driven a uh, you know cyclical bias in this uh, recent rally. Yeah, we've talked about small caps before. I mean, sometime you know about six weeks ago or so, I think we did a podcast. We talked about why we upgraded our view on small caps and why we saw some potential positives. Little did we know it was that upgrade was taking place right in front of the one of the greatest rallies ever in small caps, but good timing, I guess you could say. Uh, but it's definitely a group that we do think has more life to it. This is not just a, a, a blip for a month or so of strength. This, this continued strength very well uh, could last a little bit longer, well into 2021, not just a little bit, maybe potentially uh, longer into 2021. And we'll talk more about that a lot as we go forward, but that's obviously taking place. Let's talk vaccines, Jeff. Um, I find it somewhat comical because two weeks ago, we had the news that um, Pfizer's drug was 90% effective. Last Monday, we had Moderna's drug was 94.5% effective. And then <laughs> Pfizer came out like a day or two later and said, no, no, time out, time out. Ours is 95% effective now, so a little back and forth. But today, AstraZeneca's drug, they had news on AstraZeneca's drug a week ago, or sorry, vaccine, I should say, about a week or so ago, or sometime last week, said it was very effective with elderly people, which was great. But they said the results will come soon. Results just came out, 90% effective. But the really interesting thing about their vaccine, the AstraZeneca drug, which is done with Oxford University, um, is you can keep it in the fridge the whole time. The other two need to be in freezers or deep freezers. Then you can take them out and leave it in the fridge for a while. This one can be left in a fridge for quite a long time, which is obviously much easier for transportation and usability. Um, Jeff, I mean, you know, AstraZeneca at least initially sold off on the news at the time of recording this, but I think you know a lot of this is baked in. I mean, what's your take on these three vaccines and what we know so far? Well, more, more great news, clearly. Uh, you know, what might not be getting as much attention is the fact that if you have multiple vaccines, you can have multiple production lines going full bore at the same time. So, mm -hmm. you know, it's a huge challenge to, uh, to get uh, these shots to, you know, the broad population around the world. Uh, I think there's something like 200 in development. So we're likely to get more uh, effective yep. vaccines here uh, in the months ahead. That, that it, you know, improves the prospects for rapid uh, deployment. Uh, absolutely. I mean, you know, what do they say? You miss all the shots you don't take. No pun intended. We have a lot of shots here. And it is amazing. I mean, again, by no means am I a scientist. I sometimes play one on TV is my joke. But, you know, you hear about how it's so difficult for these vaccines to get from phase one to phase two, from phase two to phase three, and even from phase three to actually getting approved. And it sure looks like what we're seeing all three of these very likely are showing the results better than anyone expected, honestly, and likely will all be approved here fairly sometime soon. So just um, 
you have to just, you know, give a, a golf clap for the, the scientists and so many people in the drug industry that are making this happen. Um, and it's going to help us. You know, the economy slowing down. We're going to talk about that here in a few minutes, uh, but clearly a win. You know, Jeff, I did see some really interesting um, data points on how effective other vaccines are. I'm going to put you on the spot here. Do you know how uh, effective the standard flu vaccine or the standard flu shot has been the past 10 years on average? You want to take a guess? If these are 90, 95, what do you think the flu shot is? I think it's about 50. Yeah, I've got, well, according to data, I saw 43%. Yeah, less than 50%. That's the standard flu shot. Um, shingles, 65%. Um, let's see, anthrax, 95%, mumps, 88%, smallpox, 95%, and something called the rotavirus, which I'm not even sure what that is, maybe because it's 90% effect, 98% effective. We just wiped that one out. I mean, truly some incredible, incredibly high numbers. And what we've done in less than one year uh, with different vaccines is, is right in line with there. But 43% is the average the past 10 years uh, for the standard flu shot in terms of how effective it is. I got the flu two years ago, I remember going up to Columbus, Ohio for an event in February, right around the Super Bowl, did the event, that's where I'm from, um, Ohio, and saw my family and then came back. <clears throat> oh man, I, I had the flu and for a couple of days I was in bad shape. I did get a flu shot though. And my doctor, I said, why did I get the flu? He's like, I got the shot. And he's like, well, it's not always effective, but it probably helped you. So you weren't, you know, wiped out for a week. And for about two days, I was in bad shape. But and Jeff, you had the flu in a while? How are you doing on that front? Uh, no, I, uh, I haven't had it in yeah. a while. I've been yeah. fortunate. Uh, Good. No, I, I hadn't. I couldn't tell you last here. time I had it. Yeah, but I guess it was, let's see, 19. So I guess February of 19 is when I had it. And that was, that was not fun. Um, clearly, you know, that's, it is what it is. All right. So Jeff, let's see, let's talk a little bit about uh, Santa Claus coming to town. The next slide I'm showing is just a kind of from a seasonality point of view. And we're going to talk about cinnamon here. So maybe I should have saved this actually, but we'll go there now. Seasonality tells you, um, this is maybe you know, let's talk about cinnamon now. Let's mix it up, Jeff. We're doing this live. Let's talk about seasonality being strong, but with cinnamon potentially showing some worry signs. So what I'm showing here, historically, the end of the year, uh, no surprise, is strong from an from a um, purely seasonality point of view. Uh, yet we've got some signs that show there's some optimism coming in, and that could be worrisome. Just some things like we're seeing record amounts of flows coming in, people putting money into uh, different funds that invest in equities. And that's, you know, from a contrarian point of view, potentially a worry. Put to call ratios, what the options market's saying, are in the 90th percentile, again, suggesting a lot of optimism is out there. Um, various sentiment polls are showing the level of bulls we've seen consistent with some previous major peaks, specifically uh, January of 2018. You add it all up, and it doesn't mean the market has to peak right now. Again, the sh slide we're showing says, you know, this is the feel-good time of the year and stocks can keep going higher. But maybe as we get closer and closer to the end of the year and into next year, if sentiment stays strong with the incredible rally and, and recovery that we've seen in markets, uh, that's a worrisome sign. And I will just point this out. We were writing this in our weekly market commentary. You can go to LPL.com uh, to see that. And we were talking about market sentiment and some different things. But the last time we really did something like this, I looked it up, was in late January. In late January this year, we wrote about how market sentiment was getting a little frothy, opening the door potentially for a pullback. And sure enough, you know, two weeks, three weeks later, S&P makes its final peak on February 19th. And then we had a 34% record bear market. That is not our base case at all. But I am saying I'm seeing some similarity with some of the optimism coming in. So maybe we're, you know, three weeks, four weeks away from some type of a potential peak. And then um, a well-deserved correction, honestly, after a 60% rally plus uh, since the... Um, 
since the lows in February. But Jeff, I'll, I'll talk a little bit about market technicals in a second. You want to add anything here on market sentiment before we go there? Yeah, I mean, the sentiment um, is certainly optimistic right now. Um, I saw a study uh, this morning that suggests that late in the year, uh, if sentiment is this optimistic, you still tend to see this seasonal pattern. Stocks tend to go higher over the last couple of months of the year. So, uh, you know, we, there, there are certainly reasons uh, to be cautious. We're going to talk about slowing economic momentum in a little bit with new restrictions, right? Uh, some are citing pension rebalancing, right? That, you know, stocks have done really well. So these big pension funds are going to have to take some stocks off the table, move into bonds to maintain their allocations and all of that. That, that's uh, typical year-end stuff that we don't think gets in the way uh, of this uh, positive seasonality um, effect. Yeah, and, and again, I should have put this up earlier, but I'm putting a slide up now that just shows we had a huge amount of bulls in just one particular survey, the AAII Sentiment Survey, American Association of Individual Investors. Um, now that did pull back a little bit last week, but a huge surge in bulls two weeks ago. But here's the uh, potential encouraging sign. So yes, everyone's, not everyone, a lot of people are getting bullish after a big run, all-time highs in small caps, all-time highs really across the board, to be honest. Uh, small caps made that first, we talked about that last week, but small caps made their first new high in over two years. Uh, just recently, if you look at the Russell 2000, but we saw what we saw off of the surge in the lows off the um, in the election was truly unbelievable. You look at the number of stocks in the S&P 500. I'm going to keep this kind of simple because it gets a little geeky. The number of stocks making new monthly highs. OK, right after the election on November 9th was over 71 percent. So seven out of every 10 stocks in the S&P 500 was making a monthly high. That is historically extremely strong. And we took a look and this is what we talked about on the weekly market commentary this week. Previous times, we saw that much strength, that much market breadth and a near term blast, as I like to put it. Six to 12 months later, you see extremely strong returns. One year later, higher every single time, up 15.8% on average. Now let's count here. It's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Only eight other instances. This is the ninth one where we had over 70% of the stocks making a new monthly high. So very small sample size. We're, we're fully aware there. But something I wouldn't want to ignore, I think there's still a message. This is called market signals. The signal uh, from the reaction of this election was truly unbelievable. But what really gets me is one month later, you got negative returns turns down 2.3% and actually down more often than not a month later. So it again, it kind of fits in with what we're talking about where maybe this huge move could have a well-deserved potential break, but you have the interesting uh, look at Santa Claus usually comes to town. So just, you know, put all, take away the grain of salt, but still these concerns are kind of uh, piling up a little bit near term, but from a longer term point of view, my, oh my, um, the strength we saw is very, very bullish. And we talk about that in our weekly market commentary this week. So Jeff, it is Thanksgiving week. Um, I'm excited. I'm hungry. Just talk, just the word Thanksgiving. All of a sudden I'm getting hungry here, you know, kind of hungry. What do you guys, what's the bookbinder family up to this week for Thanksgiving? Yeah, we're heading to the in-laws. Uh, they live close by. So certainly will be, um, uh, you know, a little easier than it would be, um, hopping on a plane during these times. Um, my uh, mother-in-law's pretty good cook. They picked up the turkey already. I think it's like 13 pounds, whatever it is, it's huge. So we're, uh, we're gonna eat well, no doubt. How about yourself? Oh, that sounds good. I'm so excited. Yeah, we're, we're just staying down here in uh, TKK, South Carolina. My wife, Emily, is she'll be the first to admit this is not, um, you know, 
not the world's best cook, but she can she can throw stuff in an oven, and that's what we're doing. We we she found um, I think it's Fresh Market. I think it's either Whole Foods or Fresh Market. Honestly, I forget which one. They pretty much they know there's a lot of beginners this year, a lot of people that are stuck at home and they're not going and, and letting somebody else do it. So they make it dummy proof. And it's you pick it up on Wednesday, you throw it in the oven. Uh, the turkey's already cooked. All these sides and fixings are pretty much cooked, and they tell you exactly how to do it. So we're doing that. And she's got a she actually has a a famous uh famous but a popular family recipe with an apple pie and she's going to try her best to uh to make her grandma's famous apple pie so i'll i'll let everyone know we're not doing the podcast actually this is a good reminder we're not doing the podcast next week next monday i'm going to take a week off and honestly it's for kind of thanksgiving just to get, get our feet wet or get back into things but i'll tell you what in two weeks i'll give an update on how uh, thanksgiving turned out with emily cooking and the uh, apple pie i'm i'm excited about uh, about that so jeff let's get a little we got a couple more things we want to talk about here today um who you got? It's what I call this one. Jerome Powell or um, Steve Mnuchin? We have a little argument going on. Last Thursday night, Steve Mnuchin said, Jerome Powell and the Fed, give us our $455 billion back. We gave it to you for um, for lending purposes. And honestly, you haven't, you haven't needed it. So now it's time to give it back. Now, the issue there is Jerome Powell just a week ago on Tuesday said he hopes they don't end these lending programs. I'm pretty sure he had a birdie on his shoulder telling him it was coming. So he got his opinion out there already. And the Fed had a direct kind of, we'll call it rebuttal. They disagreed, to be honest. Now they're doing as as, as diplomatic as they can, but it's very clear the Treasury and the, and the, the Fed are not agreeing on um, kind of this $455 billion to give it back by the end of this year. Um, so what's your take, Jeff? I mean, the market took it in stride as we're doing this. So Monday morning, we're kind of up, stocks are up again, uh, but it caused some drama. What do you think about it? Yeah, I think uh, Mnuchin and the White House just want to repurpose this. This is not an emergency situation uh, for markets like it was back in March, right? When this program or these programs, there's several of them, were put in place. So um, uh, it makes sense to find a better use for that lending capacity uh, to me. Uh, now, if we do get into a situation uh, like we were in, in in March, certainly that's not our expectation. But if we do get into an emergency situation, then we will get more stimulus and we will get these funds certainly um, you know, back on, right? This, these lending facilities can be turned right back on potentially by the next Treasury Secretary. So it, it's really just um, temporary and probably uh, at this point unnecessary. Yeah, I mean, if you think about it, it's really insurance, right? I mean, it's really insurance that things get bad again. And fortunately, things have improved. We're going to talk about the economy here next. Uh, but still, for the most part, we've come to the economy continues to surprise to the upside. And the good news is, you know, if things do slow down, we get more COVID restrictions. Um, the Fed can ask for some money back. And in all likelihood, the next Treasury Secretary will probably okay that. But still, it caused some waves. Uh, I know futures sold off fairly significantly Thursday night when this news came out. But now a weekend to think about it, and people are realizing it's $455 billion from one place that honestly isn't being used. Give it to Congress. Maybe they can help get it to small businesses through the use of PPP is kind of what people, I think, are realizing. Also, what I've read is a Bloomberg article this morning or maybe over the weekend said that, you know, this could mean the Fed actually increases the number of longer term bonds it's buying and juices up the QE program. And the Fed has an a um, decision next month, a, a meeting next month, I should say. Do you think, Jeff, that 
helps or not helps that that'll spur the fed to purchase longer term bonds here my personal opinion is i think that we're going to do it anyway with all the COVID stuff maybe this pushes them even further what do you think oh it's certainly possible uh we have um a fed put and a vaccine put right yeah. so for markets here in the near term you know even if the economic data weakens further and unfortunately that's likely um markets are probably going to take some comfort in these puts, uh, so to speak. And by the way, we're going to get a fiscal stimulus package most likely um, in uh, January, February, after um, we get through this leadership transition. So um, there, there are certainly several reasons to think uh, that, for at least for the market, that we'll be able to bridge this gap. You know, it's certainly still terrible what's happening with COVID right now, but we think we'll be able to bridge this gap for markets and the economy uh, and get through to um, uh, to the spring and the um, you know broad deployment of vaccines. Yeah, actually, it's reminding of COVID. So my mom's actually going to come down for Thanksgiving to see everybody, and she's had some health issues. So my wife Emily made us all go get a COVID test. Jeff, you had a, you, have you had a COVID test yet? I feel fine, by the way. We just wanted to make sure we were okay. Have you done one yet? I have not. So I did. So it's a drive-through one. You just get in your car and you drive through, and they take the swab and they, I mean, they shove it up your nose pretty good and it you guys say five seconds on each nostril and you think oh that's not that long and you're like oh my goodness i gotta do it again and the woman said you're going to um i came back negative by the way so don't worry i got the results we're fine i knew i was going to be but we're just making sure with my mom's health issues um so she said your your, your eyes are going to water and you're probably going to sneeze i sneezed probably eight times in a row i said oh, i'm going to sneeze she goes, okay so i put the window up you know she didn't get sneezed on she's got the whole hazmat suit on but still i was like okay i'm going to sneeze now and i sneezed like eight times in this parking lot as i'm driving away so anyway but it anyway so the whole family got tested um again we all feel fine unfortunately we're all negative so we told mom say oh mom come on down we're, we're, we're safe um for now so yeah that's kind of neat though just go through your car and i got a i got my phone here and i got a text message it said you're negative and there you go so anyway so jeff we've got about five minutes or so um i do want to talk for a second have you been watching queen's gambit or heard anything about it on netflix uh jeff the show about chess have you seen this at all i have not so i would have thought a show about chess would be just stupid, <laughs> to, be, to be honest. Boring, you know, like, I'll tell you, it's like the number one rated show on Netflix, and now I see why. I got hooked, and I watched, um, in about a week, I think there's seven episodes. All I'll say is this, it's about chess, yes, it's about this genius um, uh, female in the 1950s and 60s, and just all the stuff that she she went through in her life, and grow, goes to be world champion. It's, it's, it's just an amazing, amazing um show so anyway I, I was hooked so i just wanted to throw that out there and there's some you know some percentages and odds and it just was amazing to see i i don't know the first thing about chess i kind of know enough you know i'm more of a monopoly guy myself i mean you see chess though and it was like wow it, it was truly amazing so anyway, if you checked it out i think i think people will like it but jeff let's finish things up here last couple minutes about the economy um we're showing the slide of retail sales retail sales came in a little bit weaker than expected um, but also what surprised a lot of people was restaurant sales month over month, actually negative. That was not expected for the first time in six months. Then we had the um, higher than expected initial claims, expected to be down around 700,000, came in at 744. And then we had um, the leading economic uh, index, leading economic indicators came out, the LEI um, suggesting a slowdown. I mean, Jeff, we've talked about this. We've said it's gonna be tough, this bounce off the record lows. We've had that, now things get a little tougher 
I don't think this is too surprising, but it's something we're watching closely. How concerned should we be with the, maybe a double dip like we're potentially seeing in Europe as we speak here in the U.S.? Yeah, thankfully, the vaccine is coming before the economic data has time to deteriorate enough. At least that's that's our view. Before the economic data has yeah. time to deteriorate enough to, to call this uh, a double dip. We, we've seen it throughout the last several months. The, the will of the U.S. consumer to get out there and spend and, and do more than spend, just do everything, right? Despite um, the, the ongoing uh, threat of COVID-19. Uh, should give everybody confidence that um, you know over the next several months we'll get through this with relatively minimal uh, economic damage. There'll be some, but um, we we would not um, expect a double dip. And even in Europe, they may just get one quarter of contraction. Yeah. Uh, to call it a, a double dip recession, you probably need something that lasts longer than just a few months. Yeah, no, good points. There, our friends at Strategus Research Partners. Um, you know, they've been sharing a lot of these things and they say, you know, call it smart lockdowns, maybe let people work as much as you possibly can. But the fun stuff, maybe we need to hold off another couple of months or so um, before we can um, officially get back to opening some of those things up. I did see, you know, uh, just over the weekend or this morning, the headline came out that uh, the casinos in Las Vegas, which were operating at half capacity, are now going to a quarter capacity. So they're right there is an direct impact uh, to potentially consumers. And we're seeing a lot more things. That's just a one real-time example of it. Um, but again, with the vaccine news we continue to see, uh, we're, we're going to get there. It just might take a little bit longer. So, Jeff, um, besides eating record amounts of, of turkey, <clears throat> I, I get so choked up thinking about this, what are you watching this week? Yeah, we, we get a lot of data crammed into just three days. Um, but, you know, there's no one particular data point uh, that maybe stands out. So I, I guess I'll say, um, you know, the, um, the flash PMI surveys uh, will be of interest. We got, Europe had one that was really weak uh, this morning. So um, that certainly will be something to watch. Uh, and then jobless claims on Wednesday, they're a day early because of the holiday. That will be, I think, really interesting to watch after getting that uh, uptick in claims uh, last week. Uh, but there's a whole bunch of data. Um, we'll, um, we'll certainly be watching for signs of further deterioration in, uh, in U.S. economic momentum. Yeah, no good stuff there, Jeff. So we've kind of hit the end of the road. Um, thanks, Jeff, as always. Thank you for everyone out there continuing to listen to this podcast, whether it be um, you know, Google Podcast, iTunes, Spotify, or now on YouTube. Click, hit that like button, hit that follow button, give us a positive review. It really does a lot of good, um, good for us to continue to build this and get more people to see it. So thank you so much. And from everyone at LPL and LPL Research in general, we wish everyone a awesome um, Thanksgiving holiday. Hopefully you eat more food than you ever should have. It's 2020. So let's, uh, let's enjoy that day. And there is really, there's a lot to be thankful for. And um, I think the number one thing to be thankful for is we are going to have a better 2021. I think with vaccines and things coming up, there's a lot of pent up demand to get out there. And we think this bull market and economic cycle of growth will continue. Um, and we'll talk a lot more about that the next couple of weeks when we are going to release the LPL Research 2021 Outlook. It is almost, um, we're, let's see, we're dotting the I's and crossing the T's, so to speak. That's going to come out in early December. So we'll talk about that then. Again, no podcast next week. So I guess Jeff and I, 
well, I guess Jeff will see everybody in December. That just sounds kind of weird to say, but that's the way it's going to be. So everybody enjoy uh, Thanksgiving and thanks again. We'll see you in two weeks. Take care. Thank you. Bye-bye. This material was provided by LPL Financial is for general information only and is not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. There is no assurance that the views or strategies discussed are suitable for all investors or will yield positive outcomes. Investing involves risks, including possible loss of principal. Any economic forecasts set forth in the podcast may not develop as predicted and are subject to change. References to markets, asset classes, and sectors are generally regarding the corresponding market index. All indexes are unmanaged and cannot be invested into directly. Index performance is not indicative of the performance of any investment. All performance reference is historical and it's no guarantee of future results. All information referenced in the podcast is believed to be from reliable sources. However, we make no representation as to its completeness or accuracy. Securities and advisory services offered through LPL Financial, a registered investment advisor and broker-dealer. Member FINRA and SIPC. Insurance products are offered through LPL or its licensed affiliate. To the extent you are receiving investment advice from a separately registered investment advisor that is not an LPL affiliate, please note LPL makes no representation with respect to such entity. If your financial professional is located at a bank or credit union, please note that the bank or credit union is not registered as a broker-dealer or investment advisor. These products and services are being offered through LPL or its affiliates, which are separate entities from and not affiliates of the bank or credit union. Securities and insurance offered through LPL or its affiliates are not insured by the FDIC or NCUA or any government agency. Not bank or credit union guaranteed, not bank or credit union deposits or obligations and may lose value. 